Nothing captures the human collective imagination quite like emerging technology. Come 2020, we practically hear or read about a new technology every day. But how much of it is actual viable technology and how much of it is hype is hard to say. Even the viable ones go through their fair share or should I say unfair share of hype, sometimes resulting in the technology's death. An honorable mention here would be modular smartphones, an extremely viable tech concept which never saw the light of the day. Another would be the tablet, next in line to reduce the size of the computer after a laptop. Although it did see some action for a couple of years, it is now leading a humble life. 3D printing has also seen its fair share of hype. Seven years ago, in his 2013 State of the Union address, former President of the United States Barack Obama said, 3D printing has the potential to revolutionize the way we make almost everything. While the statement is legitimate, but we are far from achieving a complete overhaul in manufacturing from traditional to 3D printing. According to the Gartner Hype Cycle 2019 for 3D printing, we are still years away from 3D bioprinting organ transplants or miniaturizing 3D printing to a nano level. But for a technology this new, growing at 25% per annum, accounting for around $14 billion spent in 2019 alone, is an impressive feat. Our guest in today's episode analyzes this technology's performance so far, minus the hype and has practical tips for those who want to adopt this amazing viable technology in their supply chain. Welcome to the final episode of AM Infocast's inaugural series, The Journal Series, with Aditya Chandavarkar and me, Abhishek Gokhand. Today we have Mr. Abhinav Singhal with us. A brief introduction, Mr. Singhal is the Chief Strategy Officer Asia-Pacific at Thyssen Group. He is also the Director of Thyssen Group Innovations which is responsible for additive manufacturing across Asia-Pacific region. Prior to joining Thyssen Group, Mr. Singhal worked at Dell Technologies and McKenzie & Company for several years. Mr. Singhal has a gold medal bachelor's degree in metallurgical engineering from IIT Varanasi and a gold medal MBA in finance and strategy from XLRI India. Welcome to AM Infocast Abhinav. Thanks, Abhishek, first of all, for inviting me. I'm very excited to join this podcast. Let's begin. Thyssen Group has been a front-runner in adopting 3D printing. It has successfully transitioned from an end-user to a service provider, cementing its place in the 3D printing industry with the launch of Additive Manufacturing Tech Center Hub in Singapore. How has it benefited the organization overall? Maybe for our listeners, let me give a quick introduction of Thyssen Group and then answer your question. So Thyssen Group is actually a engineering and manufacturing firm, which is in the business of making plant uh, components, machineries across a variety of sectors. And if you think about additive manufacturing, it is a technology which is almost at the core of what we are doing because it gives us a new way of uh, designing and engineering parts. It gives us a new way of fabricating and printing these parts. As a result of this, for the last seven plus years now, we've been using additive manufacturing for a variety of our businesses from automotive business, cement, chemical, mining. Uh, we have done over 250 projects uh, where we have got some benefit by using additive manufacturing. And typically these are either lead time reductions or using alternate material with better properties, having a better lifetime, and almost in all cases also reducing the cost of making these parts. What is even more interesting is apart from the internal usage, you know, uh, 
which has also helped us create uh, external business models. So, for example, our Singapore center now is able to serve external customers, and we are using this technology to provide spare parts on demand or digitalize inventory for our customers in the region. And that is a really exciting uh, opportunity we get out of additive manufacturing. Yeah, that is indeed a big benefit of uh, adopting 3D printing. A company can uh, not only you know cater to their internal requirement of parts and products, but also create a new line of business of uh, 3D printing parts and uh, products for existing and uh, you know new external clients. Despite being an overall win with so many benefits, AM penetration has been extremely low so far. You even pointed this out in your article in the AM Chronicle Journal. But it saw a sudden and stupendous rise during this ongoing pandemic with almost all printers globally printing medical equipment, thereby rescuing the world from an acute lag between demand and uh, supply. Do you think this will convert into faster market penetration? That is a, a good question, right? If I think about what AM has done in the last few months to contribute to the pandemic, I think it's... Uh, been heartening to see how the technology has stood up to the challenge and whether it is making PPEs or ventilator components or swabs or contactless doorknobs across all these part categories. Uh, additive manufacturing has helped create uh, parts on demand in a very short amount of time. Now, will this help uh, the adoption of technology going forward? I would say, in my experience, there are three reasons why the technology adoption has been low. Uh, if I reflect on this, I think the first reason is the applications uh, which you can have out of the additive manufacturing technology. So historically, most of the industry has been, I would say, pushed by the uh, printer manufacturers and their focus was more on selling printers and less on creating applications and use cases of 3D printing. So I think in a way, the crisis has opened up that domain. It has created more applications for medical and healthcare industry on how additive manufacturing can play a meaningful role. The second problem in terms of adoption has been on the biases around cost and quality. If today you 3D print a part, there is always this assumption that it will be more costly and it will have maybe an inferior quality than a conventional process. And I think again, additive manufacturing in the last few months have shown that if you do it properly, and as you know, in one of the articles, uh, somebody also said, if you do it in the right spirit of uh, respecting the healthcare procedures and the, and the standards, actually you can get a lot of benefit and even at times a higher uh, uh, quality and advantage out of 3D printing. So I think on these fronts, the technology benefits. Maybe the last constraint on adoption has been around the ecosystem, which is how do you have a set of players right from part identification, designing, printing, certification, and there I think the industry still has some way to go. Uh, but overall, I think in the spirit of being more localized, being more responsive, being more self-sufficient, I think additive manufacturing has played a very strong role. And hopefully this helps accelerate the adoption. Yes, I think, uh, unfortunate, it's a pandemic which has kind of made people realize the importance of lo a localized supply chain and, and you know, just-in-time manufacturing. Uh, also, you know, referring back to your article, uh, in your three-step approach, you mentioned uh, the second step is that AM involves forming partnerships to de-risk exposure across the AM value chain. Uh, can you elaborate on this point? So, 
So Aditya, honestly, uh, I think the best uh, way I can describe this, then this is true for any technology adoption. In our current uh, industrialization uh, and industry 4.0 environment, it is not about the big fish eating the small fish, but rather the fast fish eating the slow one, right? And the principle is, is, is actually the same, which is how can companies innovate in a more faster and a more agile manner? And that's where I think partnerships have a key role to play. Because if you think about, again, the AM supply chain, there are these four different kinds of categories. You have the first power identification, diagnostic capability. Then you have this design and engineering capability. Then the third one is the fabrication, the printing capability. And the last one is the testing and certification capability. And if you now expect every company to have strong, uh, let's say, in-house capabilities across these four domains, that's not practically possible or that takes too much time to organically build up. And that's why we feel partnership can help augment this. So I can, for example, if I am a machine OEM, if I make machines, I can maybe build a more stronger identification and design capability, but I can work with a network of printers for fabrication and a network of companies like the Tufsuds and the DNVGLs for certification. Likewise, if I am a certification cap, uh, agency, then I can go uh, backward and work with OEMs and design hubs and, and service bureaus on the complementary capability. And ultimately for a customer, you need all four of them to happen. Maybe from our personal experience, I'll give you another example. So for maritime industry, late uh, last year, we signed an MOU with Wilhelmsen. Wilhelmsen is one of the largest operators of, of uh, shipping vessels and provides operation and maintenance services. So they have this amazing uh, set of customers who require spare parts for maritime industry on demand. And Williamson was looking for a technical partner who can serve their customers by providing the right engineering capability and fabrication capability. And we had uh, on the opposite side as a DNVGL certified facility for maritime industry in Germany. So we said, why don't we join hands and come together? It's a win-win situation for both of us. You benefit from the world-class design and engineering capability. We benefit from a ready pool of customers who are open to adopting AM. And we come together and now we are having a great partnership and business out of it. So that is my the core message that for this technology to thrive and develop, for more and more applications to open up, you need to have a different mindset and you need to reach out to partners in your ecosystem to accelerate the process. Yeah, I think, I think we agree as well. I think it's important to have your core competence and not try to do everything because just in our, our last uh, podcast, which we had with uh, John Barnes and uh, uh, Jennifer from Babtech, uh, they also mentioned the same thing. They said 3D printing is not special anymore. It's more about the speciality. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not just a kind of novelty factor a company has, but now it's more business focused and, and it brings uh, all these aspects uh, together. So I think uh, it's important that people create these core competencies rather than going after uh, you know, doing everything. Right. Couldn't agree more with you on that, uh, Aditya. Yeah, you know, because what we're doing is we're trying to elaborate, uh, you know, what uh, content we've shared in our first inaugural edition. And, uh, you know, what you mentioned is also that the short-term impact of AM might be a bit overstated. You know, we, we, we partly agree with this, but why, why do you say so specifically? See, I am... Uh... I'm a big advocate of AM and I'm living and breathing AM for the last year and a half and uh, you know, trying our best to increase the adoption. But honestly, when I reflect uh, also in my other hat as a strategist on 
what is the potential of manufacturing value add globally right and that number comes to around 12 13 trillion dollars and what is the size of am activity in the world today you're talking about 10 uh, 12 billion dollars and that to concentrated in four sectors uh, across aerospace automotive tooling and maybe a bit of healthcare and implants right so i see a huge, huge potential on what we can do and also a big gap on where we are we are less than 0.1% uh, in penetration if you look at the overall manufacturing value added and that's why i feel that the short term impact might be overstated because while you can have very strong and aggressive projections for this year and next year and a lot of people said 2020 is the time when am really uh, has as a inflection point and i'm seeing the growth so uh, no two doubts on that but i still feel unless you solve these problems we talked about before unless you create more applications of of am unless you have a more ecosystem based approach you know almost like amazon uh, a platform which creates am parts which lists these down and both suppliers and uh, designers can access this on demand the adoption will not increase it will be limited to companies doing some r&d and making some benefits on their own but not really uh, helping the industry to thrive which is why i think it will need a little bit of more journey and maturity for this to realize its potential yeah i think that's something which uh, you know our opinion is as well because it's important that uh, that ecosystem approach comes into play because that is what will help uh, you know this industry to grow together and it kind of links back to again to your third answer about forming partnerships so i think it's it's all a cycle where, where it's building into moving on to the next one uh, 3d printing versus uh, traditional manufacturing is always a hot debate and uh, cost is a point debated upon the most many feel uh, 3d printing is more cost effective option on the other hand many feel that it is only the case in uh, certain conditions as uh, 3d printing is a relatively new technology with limitations and uh, until it is adopted on a mass scale globally with more development in the technology itself 3d printing will never be the most cost effective option where do you stand on this i have a very different view on that i think uh, cost is the wrong metric honestly to look at 3d printing i think the right metric is value and then let me elaborate why do i say that right if you think about any investment decision a company takes right it is on the basis of npv it is now never on the basis of cost i don't select projects to say which are the least uh, costly projects as a firm my business is to create value for my stakeholders and i select projects on the net present value or the npv of the investment and npv has a different connotation than cost it also has element of revenue generation it has a element of cost reduction and as a element of time and i think if you people adopt that mindset to am then it becomes really interesting because there are many examples i can give you where am can help increase the revenue where am can reduce the time which is involved and even on a cost to cost or like to like basis the cost might be a, a, a incrementally higher but when you look at the overall value you will have a much more attractive business case than a conventional product so to give you an example right for one of our cement customers we fabricated a burner nozzle uh, which is required in the clean of operations and just by converting this from conventional part to am part this means reducing lead times from 3 to 4 months to now 2 weeks for that plant 
and this has a direct impact on the productivity or the output of the plant so every day that plant is now saving thousands of dollars by reducing the lead time on a cost basis the nozzle might be a little higher but on the value basis you are saving production loss which you would have incurred in the other scenario on a daily basis so i think that is the right metric to add and and maybe uh, let me also qualify i'm not saying today that all parts offer that value honestly uh, based on our experience at tizen group maybe if you take 100 spare parts maybe 10% at best will offer that value which are attractive for am today because either they can reduce the lead time or because they can have a better material mechanical property or a better lifetime or a, uh, any other advantage you seek so i think 10% is what we are shooting not more than that but the beauty is we are starting from 0.01% so there is still 100x growth which is possible just by shooting for that 10% target and that is one message i would have for our listeners that don't think about am only from a cost perspective think about the value it can create for the business and even if you target that 10% there is enough work for everyone to be busy for the next 5 years yeah i think that's the right approach because uh, looking at the entire product life cycle and Uh, you know it's time time which is uh, which is which is very important which you mentioned i think that a lot of people don't really look at you know in in terms of when it's going to be a just in time or a or a local manufacturing i think time will be a huge factor uh, along with the cost as well your article in our uh, inaugural journal was quite interesting uh, what what did you feel about uh, the the first edition of our uh, am chronicle journal So I think thank you guys first of all for uh, taking this effort and and, and putting that journal out. Uh, I actually read it and I, re- I really liked it. I think it had a good balance of articles from industry practitioners uh, to get advice on how do you build a AM business case or how do you part do part shortlisting, and also giving some interesting insights on what's happening. For example, in the current COVID crisis, how is AM responding to that? So it was a very good mix of content. Uh, and I'm, I would encourage again our listeners to go through that, spend some time. We are living in the age of uh, lifelong learning. So I was not a trained AM practitioner. I was, uh, I didn't possibly knew AM three years before, right, in my life. But uh, I very quickly realized that with so much technological change happening around us, it's very important to continuously invest in your learning and build new skills and capabilities. And I think this journal is a great form of understanding what's happening in Indian. AM ecosystem uh, and getting up to speed on that. So, great effort. Uh, look forward to more contribution and then more uh, editions of that. And I would advise our listeners to take out some time and go through it. Yeah, thanks a lot, Abhinav, again for joining us uh, for this podcast today. And I'm sure uh, our listeners have uh, you know got some in- inputs into uh, looking at their aspects. Uh, at various uh, points right the cost in terms of uh, looking at the entire uh, entire product life cycle or uh, some of the other aspects so thanks a lot again and look forward to connecting with you soon thank you guys for having me this brings us to the end of today's episode and subsequently to the end of am infocast inaugural podcast series the journal series with some of the biggest industry stalwarts researchers and innovators of the 3d printing and stakeholding industries including dilip menezes of 3d systems india dr atanu chaudhary of durham university business school uk dr shastri kandukuri of dnvgl john bans of the bans group advisors jennifer coin of waptech corporation and abhinav singhal of thisen group the journal series has been insightful like no other 
to get hold of all episodes, check out the AM Infocast page on amchronicle.com. Follow Indian 3D Printing Network and AM Chronicle pages on LinkedIn and get notified of our next series coming up very soon. Until then, keep listening.